Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, Season 2. We are diving right into what it means to discover gospel clarity. And our good friend Wade Lewis is joining us today. Thank you, Wade. Ah, Thank you for having me. How are you? Oh, living the dream. Living the dream. (laughs) With elevators in it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to say, if you haven't already listened to Season 1, Episode 16, is that right? Mm -hmm. Episode 16, Wade um, shared his story, journeying through and battling brain cancer. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at how gospel clarity has refocused his life and how he's taken a full measure of his whole self and how he's applied that really to the whole world. And he has some really cool stories of just journeying to the Dominican Republic this last month and uh, just a perspective change that he's had in those three elements. And so uh, we were just talking just before we uh, went live, how death, you know, when we knock on the doorstep of death, when we we're in the fourth quarter or post game, we're looking at how we played. And very few people get uh, this opportunity that you have. Mm. And I've heard you say a number of times that you count it a blessing, which just blows my mind. And I know you said that in episode 16, that this is continually a blessing for you that's refined you and that's made you more in the image of Jesus that took brain cancer to kind of wake you up. And so I want to just dive right in to some maybe new learnings that you're discovering about the gospel, about yourself and about the impact that you can make in the whole world. Yeah. Um, So uh, earlier in in episode one, you guys were talking about kind of the, the Western church how rich it is, um, you know. I mean, we're you know we're sitting here in great air conditioning, and it's 150 thousand degrees out, and we're <laughs> sitting in nice air conditioning. Um, and so, like, I've had this kind of I call it a la- leaving Laodicea moment. Um, that like the you know the Western Church is so rich that we just have no idea, and so. Like as soon as I had brain cancer and and started, you know, looking at things, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like so much has been wrapped up around identity, wealth, a paycheck, you know, a job, you know, just all the things that the West, you know, uh, and again, good, good things, you know, but, but not, you know, not the ultimate. And so it was, yeah, it was losing the job, uh, which, which was, you know, the right call. You know, I, I, I could no longer perform executive functions the way that I did before. And so it was losing that. So it was losing all the things that had always kind of um, vied for um, that, that throne in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when those are ripped away, <laughs> like, it becomes easy. And so that's <laughs> when I talk about it's, oh, it was easy for me. Well, I mean, it took brain cancer. It, it took somebody saying, you could die in 30 days or, you know, the, the median is 18 months. And I just hit that last week. Wow. wow. Dang, man. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about you is that you have, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode. So talking about hope 
and talking about perspective on the kingdom. Um, but it's not been pie in the sky. It's not been rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> There's been some really deep-rooted stuff that brain can't. So, you know, the surgeon yeah. took out the tumor. God is taking out a lot of different things that were buried up in your heart. And so I would love for you to just uh, kind of be invulnerable here, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about some of those uprootedness things that you've kind of discovered post-surgery in this last 18 months. Yeah. Um, so I, I was doing the outwardly right things from a, from a perspective, I was working for my employees. So servant leadership, all, all these different things, right? I'm, I'm trying to get people raises, trying to add benefits, trying to, you know, do, do you know, all these things, but it, it wasn't like it was for my name and, and my greatness and, and not for them because I, as I look back, I wasn't really concerned with them. I was so prideful that I wasn't empathizing with, with any of the people that, you know, that I was trying to help. I was just so smart that, hey, if you knew what I knew, you would want these things, and so let me build this world around you, um, mm-hmm. for you. Um, and so, I, God, right, he has to be in the middle of that, because I'm, you know, I'm taking care of the, you know, the least of these, I'm doing all these things, but, it, but, my motivations weren't there. And so um, mm-hmm. when, when that came away and I looked at like, oh my gosh, like that's really what I was aiming for was more like, you know, kind of my career, you know, I wanted this movement to happen, but like I was, I needed to be at the top of that movement. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so brain cancer strips up, you know, I mean, it took my position away. It took, you know, a lot, lot of things away. And so uh, it left me kind of, sitting with my thoughts on, you know, have you been doing this for you or for the kingdom? Wow. I want to come back to that, but I want to frame it up in this question of how has death changed your perspective on the gospel? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking before we started, a very similar question, just how is the gospel still the gospel for you? Yeah. How is that still good news? Oh man, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so uh, my my um, oh, sorry. Um, so I grew up in the church. Uh, had this made my faith my own. At, you know, at some age, but then when you are told by the doctor that you may have, you know, a month to live, 18 months, you know, whatever it may be, you really start, you know, kind of distilling down. And so I, I kind of put everything that I believed out there and then I started jumping up and down on it. Um, and and going back through any question that I had, just things that I was too scared to ask. Um, and then I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on. If this is the God that I'm throwing everything behind, he, you know, He's, he's stronger than my questions. He's bigger than my questions. And so I, I asked those questions and kind of the, the elevator <laughs> of faith dropped down a couple more floors, you know, and it became, yeah, so sturdy. And so like I, I now, so it's, it, it's so purified now that it's wake up if there's manna, do the Lord's work. And then, you know, at around nine o'clock, remind yourself you're not God and you need rest. And then if you wake up and there's manna again, you run it back. And then if there's not, you're feasting with Jesus tonight. And so 
Yeah, the, the clarity is like literally the entire life's the gospel. We get to like, he lovingly came down, saved us from where we were. Um, and now we get to partake in the kingdom until he brings us home. And so now I, I used to have to go to work each day and, and you know, all this. And now I said I wanted to be a, uh, in ministry, full-time ministry forever, but I couldn't afford it. <laughs> and, and that's what I told him. Like, if you ask all my colleagues for years, I would always say, I want to be in full-time ministry, but gosh, they don't just, they don't pay enough. And so, <laughs> and, so and I so was true. always trying to lower my, lower my lifestyle so that I could, you know, eventually do it. And then brain cancer made it happen immediately, so. Yeah, we were actually sitting in your garage yeah right now this, this is makeshift studio yeah. so this was my home office um and this is where yeah i uh got to work for a a great company out of denmark who has half a million employees and i you know got to take care of a lot of those employees along the way so as you've been journeying through this i love the image of you uh standing jumping up and down on the stack of beliefs mm -hmm. and you know kind of just the elevator continues to go down deeper and deeper and there's deep rudeness that as and, and deep sin that's tangled up that we mm -hmm. have to throw off so we can run this race. There's also a lot of people, I think about it as a relay race. There's a lot of people along the way mm -hmm. um, that have been in our corner. Um, your wife has been with you <laughs> <laughs> through all of this journey. Yeah. Um, you know, so pre-cancer, um, a whole life has been lived. And you, you make this reference, I think, in the last episode, but just talking about how you, had, you started everything early. Mm -hmm. you had your, your journey, your life was marked by early markings of growing up fast mm -hmm. um, in, a, in a pretty rough home. Mm -hmm. um, and then going through... Um, you know, meeting your wife at an early age, getting mm -hmm. married at an early age, starting kids at an early age. And, and now you have two grown adults and a sophomore and in a high sophomore. school. 18, 20, and 15. And so I'm sure they remind <laughs> you daily of who you were and the refinement that's continuing. Talk a little bit about that. Just was there a surprise there um, when God revealed, hey, you were like your motive was pretty jacked up here. Um, I'm sure there wasn't a surprise to your wife. So talk mm -hmm. a little bit about just how you've been able to journey through this, um, you know, kind of pre-cancer to now the refinement process mm -hmm. of what God's doing and how each of your family members has played a significant role in that. Yeah. Um, so I was married early. So yeah, just didn't have the wisdom, right? Had the energy and, and, <laughs> and time to do things, but not the wisdom. And so, uh, I abandoned my family, you know, more or less for, you know, the first majority of our marriage, 10, 15 years, um, between doing good things, uh, you know, volunteering parachurch organizations, that sort of thing, and then getting pretty involved in work. And so, didn't have a didn't have a deep relationship with anyone really in the family, and so we'd been married 22 years, or we are married 22 years, and you know, 15, 18, and 20. You'd think you know that's you got to have deep relationships. Well, not if you're gone, you know, Monday through Friday, and then come home on the weekends, and you know, and and try and have a couple parties, coach the kids, you know, take them fishing, that sort of thing. And so, brain cancer for me uh, took me off the road and just 
allowed me to to try and reconcile with four people that like I I abandoned, um, you know, practically. Mm-hmm. What has been uh, any practices that you've implemented now as a family, or things that you're doing as a family to to kind of rebond or yeah. um, reconnect? I, I think so. I'll do it as quick as I can. But like the, the best example is the Spotify rule where the, <laughs> yeah. the first time, so I came home from surgery. Surgery was supposed to be uh, a, a quick one and, and the cancer that they thought that I had at that time was a 90% survival rate. And so we went into, you know, went into everything thinking it was great and then find out it, it was, you know, double the surgery and then it was the worst type of cancer. And so it was a, you know, 98% morbidity rate after, you know, 90 or 18 months. So it was a very different thing. So come home from the hospital and on the first day back, my family wants to just take care of me, love me. And so I sit down to eat and they're eating and then there's no music on. And so they, uh, uh, they hop up and say, oh, dad, let me throw, you know, music on real quick. Cause I'd have the Spotify rule of if we're eating, you know, we're not animals, you don't need to horse chomp. And so we can, you know, just have music on. And so that when they ran up to do that, I was like, oh, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. If you're, if I hear you chomping, that means you're alive and I'm alive and everything past that's gravy. And so like that, that was the, that was the first one. And so just trying to like understand how my how my wife and kids were all created, what, how God created them, and then how can I assist in in helping them find their purpose? Um, and yeah, but yeah. So that's that's uh, that's where we're at now. Dang, dude, <laughs> that's beautiful. Absolutely. I I remember hearing uh, the story behind you know the sculptor Rodin who sculpted the Thinker, mm-hmm. and you know he put that in front of these gates in a church that depicted eternal judgment, Mm. very graphic. Mm. And when asked, why did you make that? I mean, everybody, nobody really knows about sculpting. You don't know the history, (laughs) except for like the David (laughs) and the thinker. Those are like the only two that people really know about. But when asked, why did you do that? Why did you make the thinker? And then why did you put that before the gates of this church? And his response was, I think the real importance of thinking begins when we start to contemplate death. Mm. Mm. And so he put the thinker in front of these gates so that people would walk by and pause Mm. in their everyday life and just for a moment contemplate Mm. their death. Mm. And even last week on Instagram, I saw Donald Miller. This is one of the first things he does every morning. He says, I wake up. Write my obituary. I write my obituary. Yeah. I know. And then he's like, then I, I mean, he's, it's stupid. (laughs) I mean, he's like, and then I review my 10 year plan and then my five year Mm -hmm. plan, then my one year plan. I'm like, bro, you need more kids. (laughs) 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 But uh, but I like that. But he's contemplating his death. He's contemplating the Mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get to five years, 10 years, or even the next, even today, exactly what you're saying with mana until you recognize and realize that. You're, yeah. you're yeah. not guaranteed yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I see within like all 150 Psalms in the Old Testament, I see that pattern. I see mm. them crying mm. out for God as if he, if he doesn't answer them, we were talking about this yeah, earlier. Yeah. If God doesn't answer them, they're screwed. Mm-hmm. They're, they're done mm. with. Mm. They're dead. Yeah. They say things like, <laughs> that's their language yeah. of, I am so desperate that if you don't speak to me right now, yeah. <laughs> two two hands up. It's I, physical. I, I, yeah. It is physical yeah. of, I surrender. I need you. And you're living this out day in, day out. In, in the littlest things, Spotify things, yeah. 
all the way to the end. And I, I was just journaling even a month ago of, God, I need to learn how to lose better. Mm. Like before I lose things, I need to just learn how to let go and lose. Because Jesus clearly mm. says, you want to gain life? You really want abundant life? Yeah. You're going to have to lose mm. your life. Mm-hmm. Like You're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to surrender. Not and, my will, but yours. Yeah. Yeah, not my will, but yours. And, and so one of, the, one of the things I'm hearing you say is in this journey of keeping the gospel the gospel, that it takes for every single one of us stomping up and down in our beliefs and asking those hard questions mm-hmm. and keeping eternity in mind when we do so. Yeah, because the, the, like, the more solid your foundation is, the bigger jump you get, right? I mean, right. look at beach volleyball versus uh, indoor volleyball, right? Their verts, you know, I mean, they have the same <laughs> vert when they test them, but it's not in the sand, you know? And so, like, that's, that's a great, you know, that's so a, good. you know, analogy of that. And so, like, the more work you do, you know, questioning those things and then, you know, and then finding the answers are so beautiful. And so, and, and I, I may have even talked about it, but sometimes, like, where you have to search for that is in the back of a cave yeah. and, it's, and it's dark and dark and dark and there's nobody back there and you're calling out but then you find the honey and it's the sweetest honey that you've, you know, that you've ever had. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and so, yeah, God, God is there and sometimes it's dark all around us. So. Yeah. The two, the, other, the two things I hear you saying in all this is it takes hard questions. Don't be afraid of the hard questions. But I also hear you saying it takes deep community mm. and those two things combined, those deep connections with is what pr- is providing for you. Ah, yes. In this season, this smile and this posture. The deep community. My rock tumbler? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, tell me about the rock tumbler. I want to, yes. I yeah. my, rock, my rock tumbler. So yes. my rock tumbler uh, went up to see Mandy's parents a couple weeks ago um, in Washington, and they had all these gorgeous rocks, and they tumbled them and that sort of thing. And so I was thinking about that in, in the Christian life. So you can you can have too few it's it's about having the right amount of rocks in your rock tumbler so if you have two rocks in your rock tumbler or just one so if you're cruising through life on your own just by yourself you will yeah you will you know change over time but that's going to take a, a long long time and then if you pack that rock tumbler completely full and there's no friction in there and nothing you know none of those rocks will uh-huh. happen and so it's it's finding the the right amount of of people in your life mm-hmm. that like yeah, because I, I can't see my rough edges. I don't think they're rough edges. They're great. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've been promoted to the highest places. So how, how can that personality be bad? Oh, wait, you, you're going to tell me how it's bad <laughs> because I hurt you. And then you're going to, you know, in love, come to me and say, hey, dude, when you said that yesterday, what were you, you know, what were you going through? But like, that's only if we understand that we're in this rock tumbler together. And the reason we're in this rock tumbler is because God said, hey, hop in this rock tumbler so it knocks off the edges, you know, as you guys do life together. Mm. That's good. <laughs> I love that. And so I want to take, you know, when, when, you know, kind of the people in my life, um, I want to have like a little ceremony where, you know, they come in and, you know, and we pick out a rock out of the unfinished one. And, you know, and so we're going to find the Adam rock and we're going to find the Matt rock, you know, and then we're going to put them in there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then, you know, every couple of weeks when we hang out and talk about the word, we're going to pull them out, you know, and we're going to look at them and we can take little pictures, you know, along the way. But, you know, that's the Christian life. It doesn't happen overnight. Like mm-hmm. you, you get tossed in the tumbler overnight. That's a, you know, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a one-time thing, but you know, like, this whole life, it's just tumbling. <laughs> yeah. 
My, I, at an early age, my mom and dad got me a rock tumbler. I think I was like seven or eight. Mm. I had been collecting all these rocks. Mm. And they got me a rock tumbler. And I remember going out, you know, in our family farm and picking out rocks and putting them in there. And the transformation mm. that these really ugly, seemingly really <laughs> ugly rocks, after you tumble them and then you polish them, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to hear it, Look but it does take good. that kind of rumbling to, like, be transformed. Mm-hmm. It takes that kind of friction. It takes – you don't get deep connections with people without honesty, without mm-hmm. vulnerability. And you got to want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really got to welcome it. Of no, tell me. Yeah, mm. I'm examining myself. I'm asking God to examine me, but I need I need your help. Do you feel like there was an openness to that pre-cancer or a guardedness? And then, how do you feel like that's changed or shifted over the last eighteen months? Say say that again. So, then. just the open, like the willingness to have other people speak into your life. So. Uh, you you spoke about my uh, rough upbringing earlier, and so still haven't worked all the way through that, hence the tears. Um, but I did have a guy, the Lord dropped the guy in uh, named Jeff Stevens, uh, who's a pastor, um, but him and I worked together for years, but um, he came in and was, you know, father, mentor, you know, that sort of thing, but I... I respect him. I saw, you know, what he was doing. And so, yeah, you know, the Lord, the Lord provided this guy who gave me great guidance along the way. And so he, he was vulnerable with me, you know, but was very clear from the first time we met, he said, Hey, so I am going to pour everything I have into you, but it can't stop with you. You have to, you know, I need to meet my spiritual grandchildren. And so, um, that's beautiful. And so like I I was blessed by that, you know. So like that was it, you know, 20 years old. Um I I had a, you know, a strong Christian guy come into my life and and you know, really and I was looking for that. Everyone wants a dad, right? And so, you know, Jeff kind of came in and and stepped in to fill a lot of that role and then, you know, started pointing me towards the the eternal father who, you know, uh doesn't uh, uh doesn't lose it uh, <laughs> or doesn't, you know, struggle. So, hmm. That's huge, man. And it, it, there's so many guys um, that we talk to on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, we have uh, guys down on Thursday nights that just want to be seen, yeah. um, want to be heard, want to be known, uh, want to be valued. Yeah. And there's a lot of deep woundedness, not necessarily. Um, from you know fatherlessness, uh, not everyone, yeah. but there's a, a deep pittedness um, within men in general within our culture that is void of that type of relationship um, that don't have that type of connection mm. or don't feel like they they can. I, I read a study the other day that talked about eighty percent of men in America don't have one person that they can go and turn and talk to yeah. about a deep issue in their life. And that, to me, has to stop, you know, and I hear you talk about that a lot with the guys that you're mentoring and discipling. What are some things that, uh, just from that vantage point, from a disciple-making or mentoring standpoint, how has that shifted in the last, uh, in this season for you? Yeah, so um, kind of understanding that 
you don't have to, I think in episode one, season two, episode one, you guys uh, talked about we're all evangelists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in this, um, I lost it. So in the mentoring and discipling, like how you've shifted your view um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so the it, it's kind of the Care Bear stare. So um, I, and I'll try and get through it as quick as I can because <laughs> half the audience won't get it. But um, so it's, it's so. Do they need a Google Care Bears? Care Bears? Yeah, yeah. Google <laughs> okay. Care Bears, Care Bear stare. You know that okay, sort of cool. thing. Um, okay. But uh, if if we were meant to, so if God's up here, um, we're meant to reflect His goodness out to everyone. Um, and so my, my biggest learning has been, we, you don't have to build up this goodness and, you know, all the fruits of the spirit and stuff, you know, before you, you know, go out into the world, you know? So when you, when you become a believer, all those gifts are given to you immediately. And so you don't have to, you know, so you don't have to wait. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I, I'm able to tell people, Hey, so, so just stop. Like all, you know, so if it's, you know, if your mirror is straight up and down, then you look like the world. So if the world's here, God's here, and then we're here. And so if you look like the world, you know, then you're just, you know, imaging them. And if it's just mm-hmm. you and God, then it's just, you know, that, but he meant you to be at a 45 angle so that his goodness comes down, hits you, goes out into the world, comes back, and then goes up into his nostrils, right? Yeah. You know, um, and so like, that doesn't take you doing anything like that. You know, it just takes you reflecting his goodness and, and his love, his grace and that sort of thing. And so just, you know, discipling young people in that, like, no, no, no. Like you don't have to be like, well, I'm going to suck at this for the first 20 years. No, no, no. Like you have the same power that I have wow. today, you know? And so it just, it kind of changes the game a little That's bit. That's awesome. Yeah. What a cool analogy, man. I mean, Care Bear Stare's got to go. But yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think about, you know, uh, when people are in the world, like you're mm-hmm. saying, the mirror's straight up and down mm-hmm. and they're reflecting the culture around them. And then over time, if you spend enough time around church people and Christians, your posture becomes almost like this, where you're loving God so much, but you're culturally irrelevant and you're not engaging Mm -hmm. with the culture around you. And so just the posture to remain in the world, not of the world, to be in the love of God, but radiating that. uh, I mean, I've always loved that image of, uh, that's been a prayer of mine since I was a teenager. Mm radiating the love of God, radiating the light of God, and, mm-hmm. and just this image of a mirror. Yeah. So as you reflect the love of God to the world and as your mirror is positioned like this, uh, one of the questions I really wanted to ask you comes out of Philippians 4, mm-hmm. where the Apostle Paul says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, mm-hmm. fix your thoughts on mm-hmm. what is true and honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Mm-hmm. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy of praise, and then just keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received, like all you've heard from me and everything you've seen me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. Mm. So I'm just curious, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, what are those practices that you are putting into place? Like how are you very practically in this season of your life keeping your, your thoughts fixed on Jesus, on the gospel? Yeah. with all the distractions around you. Yeah. Um, 
and again, this is a little easier with brain cancer, right? Where you, I have to go in and get a brain scan every 90 days where they give me the Julius Caesar, you know, good or bad. Wow. Um, mm. and, and so that, that intentionality kind of, so I've, I, I went from long-term planning to just kind of day by day. So like mm. today was you three guys that are here in this room my family, the, anyone that I'll see later, like that, that's it. That's the, that's the whole thing on my plate. And so as I'm sitting there showering in the morning, I'm just praying through my day and just praying through, you know, just these, you know, few things. And cause there's nothing else I can do. Right. It's, it's only this. And so like, hmm. and then if, and then if you wake up again tomorrow and then it's a different set of people and a di- and so like, you're just, it's just day by day, but then you also have those long-term plans and that sort of thing. But but it, it re- so for me, it's just this, you know, like looking at, at and saying, hey, so um, I, I'm the only person who can uh, be in this place today. Like that, if, oh, if I don't say the things, if I don't, you know, nobody else is going to do it. So you, nobody's going to pop into my house yeah. and talk to my kids about, you know, love, grace, anything like that if it's not me. Um, and so, and so like when you sit there and think about that in the shower, as you're praying, you know, like that changes your thoughts about like what's important today, Mm. you know, down to just, it's just five interactions I'm going to have with five different people today. Bro, that, oh, it's so good. Cause it just draws me into the Sermon on the Mount. And when in the message version, when Eugene Peterson says in Matthew six, other translations say, seek first the kingdom of God. Mm and his righteousness live day by day. Mm. And Eugene Peterson translated that where Jesus is saying to us, what I'm trying to get you to do is relax Mm. and soak yourself in God reality in your everyday life. Yeah, yeah. Just day by day, moment by moment. And it also makes me think of uh, the last dance documentary, Mm. Michael Jordan. Yes. You remember when they say like, what was his secret? Like what, how did, how did he soar above so many other players? And there's these long Mm. interviews about that. He was a mystic, Mm. that he was able to be fully present in the moment. And, and so for us as followers of Jesus, I think that that's a huge part of Jesus's joyfulness, his happiness, the reason why people were attracted to him to tell me about the good news, tell me about the gospel, Mm, because he wasn't in yesterday Mm. and he wasn't too far ahead of what Mm. the spirit was doing. He was really in that moment of living in the good news, kingdom of God here and now, because we can't be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in our phones, digitally, sure, we can enter into this world, but we're still here. Yeah. We're still embodied here. Yeah. So that is so good. That's something to fight for, man. I love that. Yeah, and that. Uh, so in that same study, um, ten years ago, they they asked the same question, and people had, I think, an average of five or ten people that they mm. could go to, and now that's you know, fast forward, we're the most connected we've ever been, right? So that number right. has to go from five to ten to twenty to thirty, right? No, it's at zero. Yeah. It's a zero to one. And so like, that's, you know, yeah. So good. Um, there's so much we could talk about and there's so much that God has done in you and through you in this season. And I've been blessed by it. So I want to say thank you for, real, bro. Uh, thank you. for being present. Thank you for being um, you. used by God and, and for the kingdom. And, and uh, I know, I know there's been so many people that have contacted us through listening to episode 16 and just been blown away um, and been marked by your words and encouraged and challenged. And so uh, I count it a blessing uh, every day to be your friend and to to be on the journey with you. So um, 
As we leave today, I want to encourage uh, all of our guests to answer this one question, and that is um, how, and very simply, how do you experience a life in rhythm? Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, I lacked rhythm for a long time and was just kind of tossed to and fro. Um, yeah, um, so it, it truly is, you know, like this this big narrative, you know, of why are we here? Why is Earth here? What am I doing here today? It, like embracing like the bigger picture and then narrowing it all the way down to, you know, what I can do today. So for me, it's, you know, it's being in the word, uh, it's connecting with people, um, fasting, um, yeah, getting out, exercising when I can, um, uh, when this, uh, when this cap here allows me to. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Wade. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, bro. Much Thank love. you guys. Love you guys. See you Peace. next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.